All right, you're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, Brett Martin, chief food critic for GQ Magazine, my former place of employment. I've known Brett for, God, like ever, like 20-some years now. He and I used to work together at Time Out in New York. He's one of the best food writers out there. And some years ago, he relocated from Brooklyn to New Orleans, um, which you, I think you can make the case is probably the most storied food city in America. So uh, I talked to Brett about what's been happening down in NOLA, what's been opening up there lately, how the city has changed since Katrina food-wise. And we also get into the world's 50 best restaurants list, a topic that I definitely have a few thoughts on and one in which Brett wrote a really great piece for GQ on a few months back. But before we get into that, we have an exclusive offer for podcast listeners. You can get a one-year subscription to BA for just six hours, 12 issues, six hours. That's like 50 cents an issue. That's embarrassingly low. And that's half off what you'd be paying normally. Plus, you get a BA apron. You got like a cool blue apron thingamajiggy. That's pretty cool. Do it now and you get the August issue on your doorstep shortly. Just go to bonappetit.com slash foodcast. Uh, all right, so let's do the show. Here's me and Brett Martin. Like every other song. Brett Martin, you're back in New York City. It's good to be back. How many years has it been since you moved to New Orleans? I moved to New Orleans on uh, January, early January, January 10th or so, 2011. So we're coming up on six years. Now, what I find fascinating about you is that when you were here in New York and guys like Adam Sachs and I knew you back in our days at Time Out, and you were pretty much the most Brooklyn person we knew. And, and I, don't, I don't mean Brooklyn in the in like sort of mustache, bearded, tattooed, <laughs> making your own bitters at home. No, no, no. The other Brooklyn. I mean like, yeah, egg creams and Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah. Well, I mean, where do you find that anymore? You got to leave. You, you got to go to New Orleans. <laughs> you got to. So, so you moved to New Orleans. I was like, what? Brent Mars moving to New Orleans? That's insane. And then within six months, it seemed like you were Mr. New Orleans. Well, I would never claim to be Mr. New Orleans, but I will say that I took to it. I, I, I liked it pretty quickly. And I, 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 Brooklyn and I had grown apart. Let's just put it that wow. way. It was just a uh, – it was a mutual thing. We both, we both <laughs> moved on. Brooklyn's doing fine without me, you know. You're trying to say you're not really part of this new Brooklyn? I had to go away in order to not be infuriated by New Brooklyn, <laughs> basically, and and that's good. I, it almost was, did, it was, I almost did a spit take right there. <laughs> it was not healthy for me to, uh, you know, and 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 that's fine. The city changes. I'm old. My my <laughs> father was in Brooklyn. You know, the things that were that he knew as a young person in Brooklyn aren't there anymore. Why should that mind be there anymore? But when I lived there, I was I was. Um, Angry a lot. And, um, uh, and you'd so, also you'd also gone through a bad breakup, correct? Before before leaving, I had yeah, a couple of them maybe. I mean, yeah, if you count my whole life, yeah, <laughs> I'd been there. I mean, I lived in Brooklyn essentially for forty years. I mean, a little little and less. Both than 40 of your years. parents are from New York. Both my parents are from Brooklyn. Yes, yeah, and my grandparents. Yeah, so you're yeah. you're about as Brooklyn as they come. Yes, yeah, I'm full on stickball, egg cream, yeah. Spaldines, Spaldine. Uh, sliding ponds. Um. Pee Wee Reese. We can just keep going. <laughs> yes. When you moved to New Orleans and all of a sudden you're walking down the street with the Sazerac and stuff, did you, did you feel like a traitor? No, not in the least. Really? You no. didn't, there wasn't a pang of like, ooh, I feel bad for enjoying this? No. no, no, no. I mean, I felt like a poser sometimes. <laughs> like I felt like I didn't really necessarily 
deserve to feel as at home in New Orleans quite yet. But yeah. uh, but New Orleans, you know, is, a, is like New York, a place you can go and 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 I think um, kind of make yourself at home pretty quickly. It's also not that different. I mean, there's, in the in the grand scheme of things, even though it's in Louisiana, you know, it's a it's a urban diverse place. You know, it's interesting. It's like I. I've been living in New York 22 years now, and I finally feel like I can say that I'm a New Yorker. And I imagine New Orleans is such a unique place. And I, and I guess where I might disagree with you in terms of the New York-New Orleans comparison is that I just feel like – I mean, when you're in New Orleans, it literally feels like you're in another country. It, yeah. it is such a unique – City area, it's just it, I could not compare it to another major city in the United States. No, I think that's I mean that's what makes it so wonderful. I mean it's 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 probably less so now now that a bunch of New Yorkers have moved down there and you know like everything else we have you know the most popular restaurant in, in town is a high end Israeli restaurant. So it's not quite even Shia. even in the yes Shia in the last six years that has changed dramatically. But it's still as far away as you can possibly feel. In the United States, and that's part. And I lived when I moved down there. I lived right in the center of the French Quarter, and like I'd wake up and there'd be horses going by my 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 seventeenth, <laughs> you know, my my eighteenth century house, and nuns and you know, like, lamps and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and people. Want, I mean, it, it was it was like living in you know some sort of wonderful tropical fantasy, um, and uh, and that's part of what makes it so you know alluring is you can kind of live out that fantasy there was it dangerous and i don't mean in terms of like crime i mean in terms of like the fact that you could drink on the street and eat highly <clears throat> caloric crispy food at all hours and how, how? yeah i had a, i had a year <laughs> i mean like, <laughs> I like say, your I, freshman 15 yeah i lived on uh i lived as i say on on, on bourbon street right on on the corner of saint anne and bourbon why um because i had this amazing i mean that's the apartment i found and and it was uh and and saint anne and bourbon is is the very very center of gay french quarter there's like three drag clubs uh you know on, on the yeah. corners there and like i could i would fall asleep at night i've said this line many times i would fall asleep at night like with listening to like drag queens doing uh whitney houston covers <laughs> like in the you know through my wall um every night i and, guess that's better than just yeah well it's 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 not all that different <laughs> like it does lull you to bed it's like listening to your parents you know yeah. having a party downstairs um and uh you know and 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 it was a a, a uh, tiring year. I, I set me back. I was writing a book. It took an extra year to write that book. Um, yeah, because you had moved down there originally to finish your book, which you were writing on the sort of the golden era of cable television. Right. Sopranos it's called Difficult Men. And you planned to move down there for six months and just to finish the book, right? Uh, originally three months. Yeah, <clears throat> correct. Um, but then as, as you so nicely pointed out, my life sort of fell apart here. The <laughs> um, relationship ended um, and uh, I lost – most important, as any New Yorker knows, my, I lost my apartment. And it's also once you break away – like once I left New York – it just seemed utterly ludicrous to come back to New York. Yeah, and pay. I mean, just to, just to begin a life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I didn't have the hang up. I mean, this is the, this is the nice thing about being from here, is it, it didn't feel like a defeat in any way. Yeah, you know, you've done it. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I'd never had the chance to move to New York the yeah. way other people do. And this, in some ways, was my moving to New York. What food things about New Orleans when you first moved there? Did you really fall for? I mean, you know, that's the amazing thing is for a tiny little city, the number of food things like you know special food things and 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 then you know and, and the number of food things tied to festivals so that there's they only come around once a year um it's just disproportionate there's just so many the thing i don't care that much about is um 
snowballs. Um, which is a uh, which is do you know what snowballs are? They're like you a make the froze shaved like a ice slurpee. It's not yeah. a slurpee. I'm going to get totally lambasted yeah. at home because I'm there's shaved ice with with well, when they syrup. Come, but they get spit over. out of the machine that grinds up the ice. And, it's exactly. And it's got make, a yeah precisely. People that. really really dig them. Really, and uh, I mean it's huge. I mean it's very hot. You have to understand. <laughs> so like, um, but it's yeah. I couldn't. I, not my thing. Not not how I choose to spend my calories. I also like. I can't get that excited about syrupy ice. Yeah, I mean, like I get if I was like nine, sure. I, there are a lot of people who could 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 like have a coherent rebuttal to what you just said, like that. It's but adults. It's more than that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's a place. There's a very very famous place called Hanson Snowblizz, which has a patented snow making machine for this. And there's a line, and we're talking about 95 degrees, you know, and 100 percent humidity, and people line up around the block to get these things. Um, I don't choose to do that. What about po' boys? Because um, I'm always curious about. A sandwich like that, I like the notion of them a lot, but I wonder if I live there, would I eat them that often? I live in New York City, and I go to Katz's like once every five years to get a pastrami sandwich. Yeah, I sometimes, I mean, it's sad. That's what happens when you live someplace. When I live, you know, when I would visit, and then when I first moved down there, like fried shrimp po'boys were my favorite thing in the world, and I'll often go a month or something and forget that I, you know, haven't had one. That said, I eat a lot of them. I still eat a lot of po'boys. I mean, that, you know, it's... When do, when do you take your po'boys? Like, is it a lunch thing? It's a lunch thing. thing. Yeah, most most of the best po'boy places a, are only just a nice, a nice, a nice light, light lunch. lunch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to basically decide you're going to torpedo your day. That's, you know, you just make a decision. It's like having a drink in the middle of the afternoon, which you're, I also will do. Well, sometimes. you're also a self-employed, do I call it that? Or what do you yeah. call that, what you do? Um, <laughs> You're a writer. I'm you, a writer. You yeah. don't have. You don't go to the office. No. And if you go to choose to partake in a nap on the sofa, you can do so. Indeed. I and often you do, do them often. I believe in a nap on the sofa. Yes. So po boy. So then, what about the drinking on the street thing? Was that like, oh my god, I'm just going to go for a walk with a beer because I can? You know, that feels very natural to me. I don't know what. <laughs> I, I feel like that's the most civilized thing. I always thought that was an incredibly civilized thing. You it know, should to, be. To, to trust people. I mean, there's one thing about what people walking around with a neon green, you know, hand grenade on Bourbon Street, yeah. but, but like, <laughs> but you know, just to be able to stroll, you, you, the, the trust that it shows in people. New Orleans is a city that probably has deeper roots uh, in terms of food and food culture and restaurants than perhaps any city in America. Uh, perhaps for a while, to its detriment, that it was kind of did not change. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that in the last five or ten years it has changed a lot, or at least since Katrina? Oh, tremendously, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, even as I say, when I got there, you know, we they had just opened, uh, John Besh and, and Alan Shia, who then went on to open Shia, had just opened a um, sort of serious modern Italian restaurant, and people were losing their minds because they thought... <laughs> Not in a good way? No, in a great way. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, they loved it, but but it, but it was the kind of thing that it really had 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 been elsewhere for a long time. Um, you know, for the most part, you still and it was wonderful because there were all these like living traditions of po' boys and gumbo and you know and and but that's what you ate. Yeah, and, and it, it, was, it just felt like Paul Prudhomme was cooking every meal all over the city for like forty years. Yeah, I mean the, the old line was you know New Orleans a city of a thousand restaurants and one menu. Yeah, that was the you know and 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 it wasn't all that. Untrue. Uh, I mean, it had started to change when I got there, but now, I mean, there's a there's a, a New Orleans tourist board advertisement in Union Square right now, where like for all of New Orleans history, you would have seen like Mardi Gras beads or you know a big thing of crawfish étouffée, yeah. and now it's a picture of Alain Shia holding a pita bread. Yeah, um, that's completely mind blowing. That you know the idea that that would be the the thing that New Orleans is known for. What year did Cochon open? That's Donald Link's restaurant. Two thousand nine or ten. And then 
up he, with Pesh. And he he really helped sort of – I mean, is it fair to say that he helped spark the modernization? Of the- I think so. I mean, I think that, you know, that um, – I mean, those are very much Louisiana restaurants. Um, Interesting. Because when I went to Koshan, it struck me as sort of Louisiana by way of Dave Chang or something. It felt very contemporary. Well, I- yeah, well, I, I would say that it is contemporary, but it is rooted in ingredients and techniques from from Cajun country, which is where Donald's from. Um, but, it, but the look of the restaurant felt very modern. Also, the, mm-hmm. the preparation, the techniques, I also thought were very sort of what was happening right now yeah. in, in food. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I, cool. I mean, that's part of the point, I guess, yeah. is that is that that had not those things were arriving finally at yeah. that point. He did a good job at sort of taking something. I think that's what you know. This goes to so many good you know restaurant tours who or who can take something that with tradition and integrity and bring it into the contemporary yeah. era. I mean, it feels. I guess I'm I'm, I'm hesitant to, to agree with you only because that's it good. Fe- arguing. Is good it, for feels, a it feels. It uh, feels legit, and it feels yeah. up from. It feels of. Donald, it feels of yeah. the place. It feels, I'm not you know, saying it's gimmicky. I'm just saying, right, that, I'm yeah, just saying. It, it feels authentic, but it also feels modern. And I think that's not easy to do. Yeah. It's not and sticky. And I think Pesh, which is the sister, the sort of seafood-centric yeah. seafood, is probably the best restaurant to open since I've moved there. Um, I, I would actually not say probably. I would say it is the best yeah, restaurant. You're going on record. Since, yeah. Um, it's my favorite. And, it's, and it's, it has the same – takes that same DNA and uh, applies it to seafood. And um, yeah, it's terrific. One thing I, I, I do – think that has not changed so much about New Orleans is how gutsy the food is, if that's the right word. It's very hard to find a meal that isn't full on in that city. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, that's another thing. Like when I first got there, it was like the only vegetables you'd get were in their Bloody Mary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it is less true now than it's ever been, but it is not Untrue. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah and I, I, I was looking at a uh, our city guides on bonappetit.com, and there was some new restaurant write-ups for New Orleans. Restaurant Josephine Estella. Estella. Yeah. yeah, and there's a little note like go at happy hour, and that for hush puppies with burnt ends and poutine with neckbone gravy. And I'm like, that's so New Orleans. It's like, you're not just going to get some like pretzels or pickles. It's like, you're going to get neckbone gravy on right. your poutine. Those are a couple of Memphis dudes, though. Um, yeah, no, it, I mean, it's it's still it's still a place that, you know, and it's the, that's the South in general, even despite the sort of new South, new Southern cooking. Yeah. Um, so how do, you, how do you survive week in, week out? Well, uh, as I say, you, you know, it's not as it's not as absolute anymore. Um, I cook, <laughs> um, I swim, um, and I, you know, I do my best in the river. I'm, I, no, you don't swim <laughs> in the river. You definitely don't swim in the river uh, or the lake or any. any yeah, well, that's a, that's an interesting question. So you, you know, you cook, we cook. That's yeah. what we do here at Bon Appetit. Um, how has the ingredient game changed down there in terms of sourcing good ingredients and getting what you want? In some ways, it's just obviously we have a Whole Foods, and you get you, you sort of have access to kind of the universal world of fancy food. Yeah. Um, you know, we we don't have a good farmers market, which is very dis- mm. depressing. Are there good um, farms in the area? Or well, yeah, Mississippi and northern. I mean, it's very it, the summer is very hard. The summer yeah. is essentially what winter is like here in yeah. terms of as far as I understand of growing. Um, it is dispiriting that we don't have like a great farmers market. So like the in spring, August, are like tomatoes already done? It's just oh, too tomatoes hot. are done now. Yeah, I yeah. mean tomatoes. Tomato season has has passed. Like everything comes out really early. The yeah. corn and tomatoes, all the stuff that we get in Massachusetts are here. You know, in late August is. And then, is then what happens in fall? Then in September and October, where it's still nice out, but 
It's a good question. I need like to. You need to <laughs> <laughs> if there was a farmers market, you would. Yeah, know. I know. I mean, it, it is. I mean, you know, there's, there's. I mean, obviously, great peaches. There's great, you know, beans and stuff. Um, you know what you could do in your spare time instead of drinking during the day and taking naps, you could start start a, a farmers, farmers market. market. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like a you lot could of fun. Champion one. <laughs> You'd be a local. We hero. have one, and I don't mean to disparage it. It's just somehow it, it hasn't been. It hasn't grown. Um, and I, I, I think that they do. I don't know what the problem is. To be perfectly honest with you, um, why it, it doesn't have the kind of bounty. It's almost like if you were a reporter or something, you could actually look into it. Yeah, it's almost as if you paid me. (laughs) Um, You did a piece earlier this year, I thought a very well-crafted piece, on the San Pellegrino 50's Best New Restaurants list. Yes. Um, I just want to remember, yeah. before you, before, since we're talking about our history, I was, it occurred to me last night, I remember our very first conversation. Oh, good. Which was, I, was in, uh, I lived in Brooklyn, um, and you called me, you were working at City, oh, City Search. Search. City Search, which <laughs> City was uh, Search, yeah, yeah. the online sort of city guide. Yeah. And, it was, and this is just a sign of how, I don't think we're that old, mm-hmm. <laughs> but how much has changed, is that what you needed to know is all about Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> like, tell me about restaurants in Brooklyn. And the fact is that, like, I could do that in about 15 minutes. <laughs> Even, well, yeah, in terms of, like, there was classic places, but, like, that whole Smith Street thing. Oh, I mean, that hadn't started, started at all. There was a place called Kachina, obviously, yeah. on, on Fifth Avenue. There was, like, and Peter Luger. I mean, basically, though. And then what's his name opened Patois, which was kind of the first sort of new hipster bistro. Yeah, I think before that was a place called Petit Crevette on yeah. Atlantic. And yeah, but it was, there was sort of like an outpost out yeah. there. But anyway, it was just, I mean, it was a completely reasonable question for, hey, Martin. Uh, so, tell <laughs> yeah. me about Brooklyn. <laughs> and then, you know, and I was the one guy who had sort of, you know, could tell you about the five restaurants in Brooklyn. So, um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. It makes me feel very, very old. But yes, I did this story about the world's 50 best is what I think it's technically called. I have thoughts on the world's 50 best. Do you? Um, Do go on. Well, I'm just curious of reporting this piece. So this is a, a compilation of the world's 50 best restaurants as written by sort of food world insiders, chefs, food writers, etc. It comes out each year um, in restaurants like, you know, the tops like Noma and, you know, El Bouilly back in the day, Fran Adria, now um, Osteria Francescana in Modena. There is some controversy surrounding it. I'm curious when you were reporting the list. Were people willing to go on record? Were people like, eh, I don't know if I want to talk about this? What was, what was it like? It's obviously very, very powerful. It's become more – I mean the part of the story, the story is how, how this list has gone from kind of relatively obscure and curiosity to super important. I mean basically almost eclipsing Michelin yeah. I'd say. Certainly eclipsing Michelin in the conversation for sure. I don't know economically whether it's still – I think stars still probably drive the most diners over you know, in terms of – Getting people into your restaurant, but for a certain kind of restaurant, for your Nomas, your your Eleven Madison Parks, your you know a, a kind of modern theatrical tasting yeah. menu type of menu, it's the most important list. It feels a lot more relevant. Yeah, yeah. people so, in America don't talk a lot about Michelin. No, and rightly America. so because Michelin's kind of screwed up here. I feel yeah. like you know it hasn't really no, managed to like yeah. you know get the feel for the place, um, and uh, those people are pretty careful, definitely, and as they should be. You know, they I mean it's it's important to them, and they they. It's hard to get people to speak kind of candidly about what they have to do to get the list you know, to get on there and how much they worry about it and what their concerns are about it um, because I think it's – yeah, it does make a difference and because it's voted on by by chefs, diners and uh, press, I guess, yeah. three equal groups. They projected in a way that this is almost like a scientifically tabulated, compiled list and this one is better. Than yeah. that one, and I'm like, well, what does that actually mean? Like, so the 49th restaurant is 
the difference between the 49th and the 22nd is what exactly? Right. Um, what I like about you do a Best New Restaurants list for GQ. We do one here at Bon App with uh, Andrew Knowlton and Julia Kramer. Is that something Kramer. new that you're going to be yeah. doing this year? <laughs> um, you know, you have like guys like Jonathan Gold in L.A. who do their 100 Best Restaurants. Um, what I do like about those lists is that it's very clear that they're subjective from one critic. Yeah. That this is Brett Martin's point of view. This is Jonathan Gold's point of view. And there's a very sort of detailed, hopefully eloquent, fun-to-read explanation of why – Mm-hmm. You like a list. Um, Pellegrino does not offer that, right? You know, no. I mean, I, I, I like the word favorite. I mean, to me, that's rather yes. than best. You know, I yeah. and 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 in fact, we even say at GQ, we don't even say best new restaurants. We say perfect night out. Yeah, which is, you know, yeah, which is and it just it keeps it. I mean, it it it, it recognizes what we all know, which is that a meal doesn't. Isn't does it changes from night to night? It changes how you f- by who you're with and how you feel and, and, and yeah. you know. Well, that's yeah, and that's my issue. I mean, I think also I do think you you mentioned in the piece like well maybe it might make more sense if this were called the 50 most important or the 50 most influential restaurants in right. the world. And I think influential. I think that is a lot more fitting. That typically does not resonate as well with diners. Well, you know why? Yeah, I mean, you you. Um Everybody involved is pretty straightforward about the fact that there is this flaw, that it's a silly project. Yeah. You know, ultimately. I think – I mean they would not necessarily use that word. But I think that – you know, Well, you they can, didn't take it so seriously when they started it, the guys in no. London back. They, they had no idea that it would grow into this thing. No, but I mean they did it for the same reason we all in this business do it. It's a magazine that started yeah. a restaurant, mag- restaurant magazine. And uh, lists are – you know, they, 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 they you get traffic and all yeah. that. You know. I think what's cool about the 50 um, – you know, listen, like chefs and restaurateurs work their asses off, um, like really, really hard. And it's really hard to make it in this business as, as a business. Um, they deserve to be celebrated and they deserve to have a chance to get together and celebrate with each other um, and have fun on that big night when the awards are announced. And, yeah. You know, I mean, that's great. That, that's like, Every industry should have that. Um, yeah, I just have like I, – I think also my one issue sometimes with – you mentioned also that there's a great line in the piece about, you know, this is not a list of where to go to dinner tonight. No. Um, that that those types of restaurants, and I, and I was talking to Mario Batali one time about this, and, you know, a restaurant like Osteria Moza is never going to make it on right. the list. Even though it's a great restaurant that's fun, it's packed every night, Nancy Silverton's a wonderful chef, and just it's it does everything right that you want from a restaurant. But it's not important in that sort of right. pushing the boundaries sort of way. And without a critic's explaining of what the restaurant is like. I don't know what the takeaway from the, for yeah. the diner is. Or, I mean, is it, or is it even for diners? I don't I know. Guess, I guess, it, you know, they, they talk about it as a snapshot of what this particular class of people finds interesting at any given time. So it's, you know... It's, it's a it's, pretty it's, particular so, class of people. Oh, absolutely. It's very, very rich people yeah. and very, you know, people who, who, who... And it favors this sort of by nature because it involves... It requires people traveling to go to these places and, you know, and, and then Instagramming and, and sort of, you know, keeping a kind of buzz about the place going, that it, it rewards novelty. It rewards, um, you know, this kind of um, newness. That, newness. I mean, it, it, and that's cool. And I, yeah. and I get that. I mean, this is not really for, you know, this is not about restaurants like La Grenouille uh, yeah. here in New York City, a classic well French done. restaurant that yeah. you wrote a beautiful piece on for Bon Appetit. Uh, it's not about... Some Galatoires in, in, in New Orleans. Um, so, yeah, it's – I don't know. Like I, 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 every list is flawed and I just – I think it's up to the 
consumer of those lists to at least appreciate the flaws and be sort of cognizant of sure. what's in what's what's worthwhile about the list and what's a little just kind of ridiculous or arbitrary. Right. I refer to it I, in the piece. I, I call it the it's the restaurant equivalence of Rush. You know, the band? The band, right? <laughs> Wait, I read the piece just now. I didn't miss that line. I don't know, man. You should read more carefully. And, you know, and, and that, you know, that you're, you're supposed to appreciate the Muse Bouche more because it's, you're told it's written in 12 5 time. Yeah, or whatever okay, that one, yeah, but, yeah. You know, Neil Peart. Yeah, and whereas, you know, I mean, as it happens, I have never been to Austria Francescana, but, and I would, I'm sure it's quite good, but, but in Modena is a place called Osteria Giusti, which is in the back of a, 150-year-old Salumi place, Salumaria, and, uh, you know, with a couple of wooden chairs. and uh, That's the meal I want when I go to that is the, That's what I want. And it's the greatest lunch. I mean, if I had to if I had yeah. to compile my list of best lunches I've ever had. See, that's what I'm talking about. Is, it would have been in that place. So there's a perfect that, lesson that in one will kind never of place. Be on the list. That is, yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, it doesn't reward 4-4 four, four times, like solid, yes. solid Ringo drumming. Yes. It's only Ringo. Never gets the respect he deserves. Absolutely not. To their credit, they will admit that it's not. It it isn't. Once you start thinking about it that way, that it is not really a a, a, – it's not a restaurant recommendation list. It's not a consumer guide. It's a – uh, yeah, and it's be- it, it, the best way to look at it is this kind of measure of what a particular group of, of, of trendy you know people are, are, are interested yeah. in. The problem is, and, and but you get that, you understand that. I get it, yeah. but I but I do. But but that said, it does affect the kind of restaurants that are made. It does totally disproportionately reward white male chefs and Western chefs. And, yep. and, and the process is weird and like uh, not totally transparent about, you know, there, there's all kinds of lobbying that can go on. And uh, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's the cool kids voting on cool restaurants and yeah. it's an insider list for insider people. And, and that's, yeah. you know, it's got all the problems that that has. All right. Before I let you go, lightning round. Hit me. All right. Ready? Mm. Sazerac or Manhattan. These are false choices, man. Nope, <laughs> I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up either. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I, we're talking about what forever, or just, or just, just all right, all right. Which right. one? Yeah. Sazerac, Sazerac. Really? Wow. Yeah. Traitor. But who makes the best Sazerac in, in New Orleans? Uh, Chris Hanna, I think, or knows French seventy-five bar. Grilled oysters or oysters on the half shell? Uh, raw. Well, half shell. If you're going to get them grilled, where do you go in New Orleans? Drago's. Drago's. And that's the one near the airport? Uh, it's in Metairie. There's one in Metairie. There's one at, at, at one of the hotels, too. But they go to the one in Metairie. We used to, when I used to go down there, I'd, I'd time my flights to be able to go there from the airport before heading into the city. Tony Soprano, Don Draper, or Walter White? Um, uh, Tony. Tony? Yeah. Just Tony? <laughs> Any reason why? Just because he was the first? He's the man. Yeah, he's yeah. the first. Open container law in New Orleans or late night takeout delivery in New York City? I I am the one New Yorker who never ordered delivery. I don't believe in delivery. I never had it happen. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing you've ever said. What do you mean? You never order Chinese food? No, I don't do it. I don't do delivery. I go and get it. I've, <sighs> I've never liked delivery. So that's easy. Open container law. <laughs> we could have a long discussion about delivery some other time. You do a lot of traveling. Window or aisle? Oh, window. You don't feel boxed in? I sleep. But then what if you have to get up and go to the bathroom? You're like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, and you're stepping over people? Uh, I can sit for three hours, but really? if I but if I but then if I have to go, I don't mind bothering people. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. Really, I'm bothering I, don't, people like, I don't sleep. I stay hydrated, and I always have to go pee. Yeah. So that's why I take the aisle. <laughs> so, you, yeah, maybe when I'm old. <laughs> Saints or LSU Tigers? Oh, good God. New York Giants. 
That is such a punt. You're not even a Giants fan. Yeah, I'm not really. No. Uh, you know, I, I guess the Saints. Yeah, sure, the Saints. Okay. Sorry. They're, they're, they've been a fun team. Uh, Dixie or Brooklyn Brewery? Dixie. Thank you. Shrimp or Oyster Po' Boy? Ooh. Uh, I do like a combo, but I'd go shrimp if I had to. Final question. Butter or olive oil? Butter. Good answer. Brad Martin, thank you for coming by. Thank you very much. This podcast has been brought to you by Bell Cushing and Carrie Polis, with editing by Muj Zaidi and additional help from Christina Che and Lily Sherman. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. We have new episodes every Wednesday. And if you want to tell us anything about this or any episode, please email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com.